Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. All right, everybody. Hey, Philippians chapter three. I'm excited to continue our book of Philippians series. Since you brought a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Philippians three. We will wrap this series up at the end of August. And then September, we start a new series called What We Believe, going through some of our four core doctrines as a church. But today I've titled the message, we are a work in progress. We are a work in progress. How many of you would agree with this statement? And please respond to your pastor, all right? How many of you would agree, God's not done with me yet? Amen. How about the rest of you didn't put your hand up, even though I so clearly asked you to. How many of you would agree, God's not done with me yet, right? You got some room to grow in your life. I would argue that every one of us could share multiple reasons or ways that God is doing some things in us and working in us. It could be God's working on our faith, building our faith. God's working on our theology, what we believe about him and about what he's doing in the world. God may be working on healing some areas of your past. I mean, if you know a life of freedom means we gotta let go of some baggage, right, everybody? And so God may be working to bring some healing or teaching how to trust him and fully surrender our lives to him. Maybe what God's doing in you is he's improving your heart for others. He's building a life of prayer in you for the very people that maybe you used to hate or you couldn't stand or you detested or, or you couldn't understand how God could love them. Maybe God's growing a heart in you for others. Maybe the Lord is working on your marriage or working on you as a single person to find contentment and, and purity and, and focus in your marriage and in your singleness. Maybe the Lord's helping you forgive somebody who really hurt you. I have this quote, you should write it down. I'll, I'll say it a few times in the message. I love to say the God who never changes is always doing something new. Don't we serve a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's a God who never changes, the Bible says. And yet still, though he doesn't change, he still wants to change us. And he's always doing a new thing. The God who never changes is always doing something new. We are a work in progress if we are indeed Christians. When I was in college, uh, I shot a, a mini film, a little documentary. I am not a filmmaker, documentarian. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm terrible with a camera. I don't know how to point it right all the time because I start talking to you and looking past you, whatever. I'm even terrible taking photos sometimes. But when I was in college, uh, a few friends of mine, we decided to do a little documentary on the, state, the status of faith on the campus that I attended. And so we, we interviewed all kinds of people, students, faculty, student athletes, professors, administrators, and university staff, and, and we would grab people on the, at, the, at the UC or walk into class or in class, we would just grab people for a couple weeks just gathering questions and, and asking questions. But I'll never forget the statement that a man made to me. I was in between classes and I, I was getting near the theater on the, on the campus of the University of Tennessee, the Clarence Brown Theater, and there was a guy who worked in the, the physical plant and he was doing work on the actual outside of the building. And I walked up to him and I said, sir, can I interrupt you? He's about a 60 year old man. And I said, hey, we're doing this film on faith on campus. And I wanted to just ask you some questions about your walk with God. What do you believe about the Lord? What do you think about Jesus, Christianity? And he was very eager. Oh yes, I'm a believer. I can't, yes, I'm in, put me on this film. And so we're standing there and I'm asking him all these questions and he's saying some really impressive things. And then finally, I remember I asked him, 
I said, I, I, I wanna get to like, like, what's the Lord teaching you now? What's God doing in your life now? And I'll never forget his answer. Probably a 60 year old man. And he just got real somber and resolute and real confident in his response. And he looked at me with honesty and he just said to me, I'm not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I used to be. And then he said, God's not done with me yet. Man, what, what a moment. I was a 20-year-old kid and I'm hearing this statement of a, a man three times my age still saying, I'm not done with what God's doing in me. There's more of where God wants to take me, but I'm so thankful that I'm not who I used to be. Can anybody relate to a statement like this? I'm not where I wanna be, but man, praise God, I'm not where I used to be. And I, I just wanna use this statement as kind of a launch point for us to think about what we're gonna look at in Philippians 3 today. I wanna ask you to humbly accept some truth out of this quote and be willing to say with honesty that, man, I have room to grow in my walk with the Lord. I have, I have some room for God to do some work in me. Would you adopt that mentality today? And more than anything, I wanna challenge everyone here to consider that if you're gonna have growth in the Lord, if you're gonna be a work in progress, if this fall is gonna be a better season with the Lord than the last season, here's what you gotta have. First of all, you should write this down. It's gonna require humility before God and a hunger for God. If you're gonna have growth, if you're gonna open your life up to let God do some things in you, it's gonna require some humility before God that you say, man, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. I need help, Lord. It's gonna take some humility before God and a hunger for God in order to see God move in you. And then you have to say, Lord, you can have every part of my life. I have consistently prayed as a believer multiple times, I mean, not, not every day, but like through the journey of my faith, there've been many times where I've just said to the Lord with laying on my back is the best way I know how to pray this prayer. And I'll open my hands as wide as I can. And I'll say, God, I'm just here on full display. You can have all of me all over again. Just this week during our 21 days of prayer, our morning prayer time, I sat on this stage by myself and I'm praying for you guys. And I just got alone with God and I laid flat on my back again. And I said, God, I wanna give you all access to me once again. So let me just ask you, is there a humility in you to say, God, you can, you can move in me. You can have access to my whole life. Have you given the Lord every area of your life? Are you willing to say, God, I know you wanna do some things in me, so I commit to giving you all of myself. Today's message is meant to be like a good coach encouraging message. I'm not trying to browbeat anybody. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Anybody have a good coach that always, like they'll say hard, right things, and you leave going, whoo, that was tough, but that was really good. My mentor, Pastor Rod Lloyd's like that. He will say things to me that I'm like, dang it. And he's always right. <laughs> and I walk away going, okay, that's good. It builds me up. And that's what I want today to be like for you. So, so here's, here's a question I wanna ask you. Are you ready to really give God every area of your life? Are you willing to tell the Lord, God, I believe you wanna do some things in me this year. So I wanna commit to giving my whole self to you. If we really believe that God wants to do some things, then we have to have humility before God, hunger for God, we have to believe that we are in fact a work in progress. That was Paul's attitude. Paul's the great apostle who wrote this letter to the Philippians that we're reading. He writes it from a Roman prison, a dungeon prison. And if, if you heard the message last week, we saw Paul shared his amazing Jewish pedigree, right? He was the top of his class. He was the top of the social and religious circles. 
and he became a leading voice for what would become this brand new church movement. He, he went from, from being top of the, 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 the Hebrew faith to meeting Jesus, has an immediate conversion of faith in Christ, and then he becomes this leading voice of the church movement, and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit and used by God to write letters that would become books of our Bible. Look, I've followed a lot of great pastors and teachers before. I've never met anybody who wrote letters that became the Bible. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Paul was used in a mighty way. He was one of the top leaders of the entire Christian faith, and yet he was always committed to submit his life to God for transformation and say, man, God's still doing a work in me. Paul realizes from a Roman prison, he is still a work in progress. And so he shares that work in Philippians 3, and I want us to look at it together. First thing I want you to see as we walk through this text, and we gotta kind of back in to Philippians 3 where we were last week, is that we are found in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. I'm gonna harp on that today because it comes up multiple times. We are found in Christ because Christ has us. How many of you thankful that the Lord has found you? Let's try that again. How many of you thankful the Lord has found you? And so now we become found in him. In the beginning of Philippians 3, Paul is sharing honestly about his pedigree. If you remember, he's critiquing the dogs, the, 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 the bad guys, the ones who wanna mutilate the flesh, and they're teaching this twisted doctrine that you, if you're gonna be a real Christian, you have to come in through Hebrew traditions and you have to become a good Hebrew in order to be a good Christian, including circumcision and keeping the, the, the Torah and keeping all the festivals and the dietary restrictions. So, so he writes to them and he says, if anybody has confidence in their flesh and their behavior, I do. He says, I was a better Jew than any of them. I was a better Hebrew. I was a better scholar and student. I, I, I was blameless as it came to keeping the law. Paul shared that his pedigree was stronger than any of those Judaizers who were trying to force the Gentiles to embrace the old covenant Jewish traditions. He said, if anybody has reason to boast, I do. And then he said all of his credentials, he was a top level. And then he acknowledged that all of it was absolute rubbish. It was absolutely meaningless. You remember what he said? It was a big pile of soft serve chocolate ice cream. You remember if you were here last week, that's right, scubala. <laughs> Scubala, that became a favorite word for many of you this week. I'm, I had a couple of you tell me how you walked around saying it a lot, so guard your heart. But he acknowledged that that whole life he was trying to live and that he was succeeding in was meaningless compared to the greatness of knowing Christ and being found in him. Pick up with me in verse seven. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted all of that as loss. You remember, I was the top of the top. I was the highest ranking leader in my clan. I, I counted all as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. In other words, if I had the most high worthy things in this world, it's nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And for his sake, I've suffered the loss of everything and I count them as rubbish, and here's where we pick up. In order that I may gain Christ, look at this, and be found in him. Circle that, please, in him. Everybody say, in him. We want to be found in him. You ever discover your kids missing somewhere? You're playing hide and seek, and you finally find them in a place? Paul's saying, I want you all to be able to find me in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now watch this. 
Then he unpacks what it means. I wanna be found in him, in Christ, and it looks like that I may know him, that I may know the power of the resurrection. You know, when, when Christ resurrected from the dead, he defeated death and he defeated the power of sin over our lives. And knowing the power of his resurrection means I have power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and sin doesn't have to capture my life anymore because I walk in the power of resurrection living because of Jesus. So I can be found in Christ. I can be found knowing him and in the power of his resurrection that I may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death so that by any means possible, here's the end goal, I can attain the resurrection from the dead. This life isn't all there is. I'm gonna live forever with the Lord. This is what Paul's saying. Man, everything I had in this world is nothing compared to the life that I get to live now in Christ. Now watch this. It's because we're found in him, in Christ, that we know him. It's because I'm in Christ that I can overcome sin. It's because I'm found in him and I know him and I have a relationship with him that I can become like him in his death and die to my sin and I have eternal life as a resurrected man one day. Paul was telling us that even though he had excelled in about every area of his former life, he was highly regarded, highly educated, highly successful. He said, it's all a loss compared to this amazing relationship of being found in Christ. Everything else I've ever gained is rubbish. I mean, This is what I pray for guys like Elon Musk. This is what I pray for presidents and leaders that that are chasing this ladder to try to be something here in this world. And I just want people to know you can have it all and still have nothing if you don't have Christ. And so what Paul is saying is I'm found in him. Now watch this, this is brilliant. First of all, I I want you to really tack on this language in your own life. There's nothing better than being in Christ. This is a phrase, this is language that Paul, the apostle, would use over and over again in his writings. Hidden in Christ. I abide in Christ. I'm found in Christ. I'm I'm in Christ. He would say, if you've seen me, you wanna see somebody who belongs to Christ. It's a phrase that Paul would use close to 200 times throughout his New Testament writings. He had a consistent attitude that Paul wanted to be found in the Lord. He wanted to live in Christ, be hidden in Christ. I remember as a young Christian hearing this teaching because I thought I was just gonna get saved and then go to church and be a good person. No, 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 I wanna be found in him. I wanna be found, there, there, another word uh, in the English would be abiding. Where do you abide? Your house, right, your room. Where, where's the greatest place of your abiding? Your bed. How I many of you know that's like everyone's favorite place? My daughter and I were talking recently. It's like, as crazy as our world is and as different as everyone is in the world, everyone lays flat every night to sleep. It's kind of like a common place for everybody on the planet. We find rest and habitation. That's the word actually for abide. It's my habitat. And listen to me, church, for the Christian, we're invited to abide, find habitat, to remain in Jesus. And Paul's like, this is the life I want more than any accolades, more than any stuff. When you see me, you should, be a, you should see a guy that rests in the Lord. So, and in that, we can truly know God. In that, we can know the power of resurrection every day. We can attain the resurrection from the dead already. For Paul's attitude, we're hidden in him. We walk with him. He says in another text, in him we live and move and have our being. We are his and he is ours. And why? Watch this, verse 12. 
Not that I've already obtained this. Now, this is such honesty from Paul. The great apostle, the great pastor, the great Bible reader, writer, watch this. Remember what he said. Here's what I, do, I want. I want to be found in him. I want to have the power of his resurrection. I want to share his sufferings. I want to be like him in his death. And I want to attain the resurrection from the dead. One day I'm going to have all of this. Now watch. But I haven't attained it yet. Hey, remember my friend at UT? I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Paul's going, I haven't attained it yet. I haven't gotten there yet. Look what he says. Not that I've already obtained this and not that I'm already perfect. Aren't you glad pastor is honest? Sometimes we have this I've arrived mentality. That's just not true. The great apostle Paul is greater than any pastor I know alive today in terms of output and, and workhorse and anointing. And like, I don't know anybody like this guy. And he's still saying, man, I got to work. God's doing a work in me. Remember where he is? He's in a Roman prison going, Lord, what do you want to do in me now? I don't know about you, but if I'm in prison for God, I'm like, God, you go somewhere else for a little while. Just let me soak. Paul's still saying, I haven't attained all the things God wants to do in me. I'm not already perfect. Watch what he says. But I press on. Here's my effort. I press on and I make it my own. What is it? Knowing God, knowing the power of resurrection, being found in Christ is ultimately what it is. What am I doing? I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I haven't attained it. I haven't gotten there yet, but I am pressing towards this life in Christ, this life hidden in Christ. Why? I press on to make it my own. Here's why. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Let me tell you something. If you need motivation to get up in the morning, it's because God loves you and he's for you and he wants you to live with him and in him. And listen, you get to walk with God because God has said, you are mine and I'm yours. Your motivation is not to earn something. He's earned it for you. And now that he said, you are my own, we get to live this life gloriously, walking with him and knowing him and being found in him and saying no to dumb stuff because he has said, you are mine. Somewhere in my life's history, God looked at me and said, Mike, I want you and my family. And that's your story too, if you're a follower of Jesus. The why behind the what? Why do I press on? Why do I make decisions to follow Christ? Because he made decisions to get me. And man, when you are found in Christ, when you are owned by him, when you are led by him, we just respond and go, Lord, how can I better live for you? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Man, I'm up here shouting and you're just blinking. Whew. His ambition and primary focus to be in Christ is because Christ has made him his own. I want you to understand something. No one has ever arrived. No one has ever arrived. Everyone has growth that God is wanting to do in us. You're hearing this message today sovereignly by the Lord's choice because you have growth that you need to go through. As a church, we, know, we do not believe that a Christian can attain Christian perfection. I'm just gonna say it for you. Nobody arrives into perfection. Only Jesus is perfect and we simply follow him. God has always got more to do in us. That's why our church mission is we exist to lead people to become more fully devoted followers of Christ. Until you stop breathing on this earth, you have room to grow in your devotion to Jesus. The God who never changes is always doing something new in us. So I want you to understand, first of all, we don't believe in Christian perfection. Second of all, we don't believe that God is done with you because you said yes to Christianity and salvation or because you got baptized. Those are starting lines, not finish lines. And if you think 
I got baptized now, I'm good to live whatever life I want. You don't clearly understand that God has more for you and you are a work in progress. I want you to see this text, the amazing truth about God's initiative. Paul says, I press on, I do my part. My devotion to Jesus is on me. Why? Because he has pressed himself into me. He's made me his own. So before you or I ever wanna grow close to Christ, you have to understand, Jesus deeply desires for you to draw close to him. He's made, he has made us his own. We live from a position of son and daughter. I'm not trying to earn this, he's earned it. But now I get to live in a way that's in hot pursuit of him, fully devoted. We are his. It's an amazing privilege to grow in Christ. It's like, you know, it, when, when you're newlyweds, I always tell newlywed couples, date your wife, date your husband, keep pursuing each other. And couples who don't pursue each other, they, they tend to fall apart, they, their, their intimacy wanes. And the, uh, the dumbest thing I've ever heard is someone say, why do I need to pursue her? I've already got her. I married her 20 years ago. That's how they say it too, just like that. <laughs> but when you're found together, you gotta look toward each other and pursue each other because you've, you are found in each other. Does that make sense, everybody? In the same way, because God has made us his own, we chase hard after him. Paul says, I'm, I, I make it my own. I make it my own. I press on to the Lord. So listen, live from a position of son and daughter. We are his, and so it's our privilege to grow in him. That's part of why I love serving the Lord. That's why I love learning from him and growing in him, because he has made me his own. And I'm a work in progress. I'm grateful for the work he's doing in me. And it's because he has me, because he loves me, because he's made me his own. So if that's the case, if it's true that we're found in him because he's made us his own, so then our response is to move forward in Christ. We have to move forward. We have a song, it's the first song that we sang in this church when we built the new building. I'm not going back, I'm moving ahead. I'm moving forward. It's part of our growing and maturing. Everybody say maturity. As followers of Christ, we never stop growing, we never stop learning, we never stop surrendering, we never stop giving more of our lives to Jesus. In fact, I wanna give a warning. If we ever feel like we've gotten to a place in our walk with God where we can't grow in our walk with him or we can't learn from God's word or the people God's put in our life, it's a dangerous and arrogant place to live your life. Paul, who had excelled in so many areas, was writing this letter uh, that would become scripture, still from prison, had growth on his mind. He was moving forward. Watch what he says, verse 13. But one thing I do, and then he lists multiple things, by the way. I'll explain that in a second. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, watch this, and straining forward to what lies ahead. Any runners or athletes in the house, you know the feeling of like that lap's over, I gotta keep pushing on to the next lap. That, that play is over, I gotta keep going. Hey, when you're, when you're working in the field and you're getting, you know, growing in your skills as a soldier, that shot that you missed on the range last week doesn't matter anymore. We gotta forget what lies behind us and we gotta press forward to the next thing ahead of us. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Watch this, I press on toward the goal. What's the goal? For the prize of the upward call of God in, there it is again, in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, Paul says, I do one thing and then he lists multiple things. It's not because he can't count. It's because he realizes that in order to do the one thing, there's often another thing in the way of the one thing. Does that make sense? Like if you wanna lose weight, you gotta stop eating ice cream and work out. 
the third bowl. If you want to grow your bank account, you not only save, but you stop spending frivolously. You understand what I'm saying? So Paul's understanding is I, I want to lead you to the one thing, but in all, oftentimes the one thing is hindered by another thing. It's, it's the way Jesus talked to the rich young man in Luke's gospel. When this young man comes to him and says, Jesus, what's the thing that I got to do to, 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 to have eternal life? And by the end of the conversation, Jesus says, one thing you still need to do, take all your money, sell it and give all the proceeds away and come follow me. The one thing was follow Jesus closely, be in relationship with him. But the other thing in the way of following Jesus was your money is your God. Your power is your idol. So Jesus had that same attitude. If you wanna do the one thing, you gotta get rid of the other thing first. And it's brilliant direction for us as well. If we truly wanna grow, if we truly wanna move forward, if we want God to teach us and grow us and to have, then we have to let some things go. If we wanna find freedom, from some of our accolades and some of our pains, we need to trust God to help us let go of some of the disappointments, the offenses, the degrees on the walls, the insecurities. We need, to, we need to allow God to remove some bad thinking, some bad theology, some bad hearts and minds. Paul was able to forget the amazing life he lived. And he was also able to forget the pain he had been through. If you remember in one time, he said, I've been beaten 40 lashes minus one five times. I've been shipwrecked. I've been left for dead. I've been adrift in the sea. All these things. And he goes, and forgetting all of that, God's still doing the work in me and I'm moving forward. Here's what, he, here's what he's saying. He's not just burying his head in the sand. He's not just like got a supernatural delete button. What he's saying is those things don't master me anymore. None of that stuff controls my life. None of that stuff is who I am. I forget all those things. And I strain forward. Your Bible may say, I press on. Listen, in order to follow Jesus, we need to be able to move forward. But for some of us, the hindrance of moving forward is forgetting some things that we've had, some accolades, some pains. If we're gonna press forward, so I wanna challenge you in the same way. Let's commit together as a church. Let's move forward in Christ. In our walk with Jesus, in our commitment to Christ, in our, in our devotion to a life lived under Christ, in a life of purity, in a, a life of hope and faith and prayer. And let's forget what needs to be forgotten. Let's stop what needs to be stopped. Let's repent from the sin that needs to be repented from. Can I tell you, it's hard to grow in generosity and the sin of greed at the same time. It's hard to grow in purity and sexual immorality at the same time. It's hard to grow in right relationships and toxic relationships at the same time. You know, a life of freedom is a life without baggage. Some of us, like we, we, we don't wanna live in that baggage and bondage anymore, but we sure don't like to forget it either. We like to stay dwelling in and abiding in that stuff. And I'm just gonna challenge us as a church. Let's hear the word of the Lord here and forget what needs to be forgotten. Move on from who needs to be moved on from. For some of us, we've got relationships in our lives. We're going, why can't I move forward in the things of God? And it may be Christian relationships. That God would say, hey, I, I'm calling you to another another place in your life. There's an old phrase I heard a very astute pastor, man of God, full of the Holy Spirit said, if you're gonna fly with eagles, you can't hang out with chickens. 
It was funnier in my head when I thought of it. (laughs) I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I used to be. For some of us, the issue for us to go this way is we just won't move on. We won't forget. We won't repent. We won't break up. He says, forgetting what lies behind, here's the one thing. I, I press on. I strain forward. Simple question or evaluation. Here it is. You can answer out loud, please. Do you, this year, want to grow in Christ? Yes or no? Okay. So if, if yes, what's in the way of that? Better question, who's in the way of that? And listen, this isn't pressure. This isn't pastoral manipulation or control. This isn't me doing some kind of religious exercise to get your behavior right. Watch this. It's about maturity. Mature people understand I say no to some things in order to say yes to better things. Like, <clears throat> hey, you know what's the hardest thing about coming to prayer at 6.30 for many of us? Saying no to our bed. I get up and I come to prayer. Like, one of the hardest things about weight loss for some of us is saying no to ice cream. It's a blessing from heaven. I get it. Even God's blessings can become little gods to us. Some of us, our greatest challenge is not where we want to go. It's what's keeping us here. So if you say, yes, I want to grow, what's in the way of that? And this isn't about controlling you. It's about maturity. Watch what he says in the very next verse. I forget what's behind me. I press on towards the, the, the upward call of Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Listen, we are never gonna be perfect, but we can be mature. You and I will never be perfect, but we can be mature. And grown-ups understand that we can say no to selfish things now in order to build a different life then. If you refuse to believe this, look at what he says. Let those of us who are mature this think, think this way, and if in anything, if you think otherwise, watch, God will show you. I love that Paul's not saying, I'm gonna beat it into you. I'm gonna, you better write me 10 pages on this. He goes, if you think you're the exception to this level of maturity, I'm praying God will deal with you about it. And that's my prayer for you too, church. If you think you're the exception, that you can live both sides of the fence, that you can live in a, 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 a toxic, chaotic, bound up life and walk in freedom. If you think you're the exception to the way it is to live for God, My prayer is that God will wreck you and teach you his ways or better. That's my prayer for you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to check your life and look at all your Instagram and then come stalk you out and say, look at you, you sinner. No, no, no. I'm praying that God will convict you. You know why? Because he's a good God and he loves you way more than I do and he's for you and he wants this for you, for your life to be hidden in Christ. And if you think you're exceptional, my prayer is that God will teach you differently. Can I hear an amen, everybody? He says, only let us hold true to what we've attained. You and I are not called to be perfect, but we are invited into maturity. And mature people can deny selfishness. As we strain forward towards the upward call of God in Christ, consider this, what will it take for you to grow in your Bible reading, in your prayer life, in your commitment to church, in your attendance to small group, coming to men's night? For some of you, men's night is as simple as registering and canceling your plans. I forget what was behind, because I'm going this direction. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, everybody? So this is about a life living in and hidden in Christ I have to finish in the next five minutes. So I want, to, I want us to see this. This is the why. 
when we forget the successes and we forget the struggles that are behind us and we commit to not letting those things lord over us or rule us anymore and we're moving forward, we'll see God do a major work in us and our lives will start to look like lives of people who are hidden in Christ and we'll see our life is a heavenly existence. I think we've got some bad theology in the Christian world. We think I'm just gonna hold on tight and I'm gonna do my best to be a good person and then some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. To the streets on God's celestial shores, I'll fly away. And we think heaven belongs in afterlife. But I wanna position, I wanna present to you today that you and I are heavenly people now. We are called to live like citizens in heaven. Look what he says, brothers, verse 17, join in imitating me, which as a pastor, I've never publicly said that. I mean, this is gutsy for Paul to say, imitate me in prison, <clears throat> in suffering. Like everybody likes glamour Paul, but not suffering Paul. Anyway, he said, imitate me. I'll be a model for you. He's, he's going, I haven't attained it. I've already told you that. But like, I'm, I'm just ahead of you. And listen, as your pastor, I've never been one to say, imitate me, Pastor Mike. But I will tell you secretly and personally, I pray often that I would live a life that's imitatable. Because in our team, we wanna live a life that's imitatable for you because we feel entrusted to care for you and to lead you. I'm not perfect. I just may be a few steps ahead of you. This is the process that we're all on. Paul says, join in imitating me and watch this. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of us, we've got our eyes on celebrity culture, political culture. We've got our eyes on the latest billionaire, millionaire. We're trying to hustle and grind and do all these things. And that is a life that's total scubalon. But I wanna invite you to imitate those who are following hard after Jesus. Check your influences. Look what he says. For many of whom I've often told you, and now I tell you with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at this. Their end is destruction. I know we love to celebrate celebs and athletes and these people that look at their houses, their mansions, look at their influence. And without Jesus, you can have the whole world and you have nothing. And the end of this life is destruction for the person far from God. Their God is their belly, their lust, their cravings, their desires, and they glory in their own shame. The thing that they think is making them something is actually shameful because it's apart from Christ. With mindset on earthly things, listen, we have to check who we're following. We have to check who we're listening to. As Americans, we love to celebrate the individualist. We love to celebrate the, the, the success story of, of money and hustle and grind. But I want us to celebrate the man or woman of God who's been faithful to the Lord and faithful to his kingdom for a whole life. We are skeptical of people in positions of power and authority. We like to criticize folks that we don't agree with. But listen, I wanna invite you to consider, are you following after Christ and are you admiring and being modeled to by people who exemplify what it means to live a life in the upward call of God in Christ? It's a warning. Those in this world are guaranteed a coming destruction. No one will avoid it. Their lives may seem glorious now, but their glory is only temporary. It's rooted in shameful and selfish things. And their end is the end that's coming for anyone not found in Christ. It is destruction. Church, who is influencing your life? If you're gonna grow this way, you can't be drugged down by sinful influences or worldly influences. Look what he says. Our citizenship is in heaven. Don't forget we are hidden in Christ. We are found in Christ. Why? Because he has made us his own. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
If you've ever traveled internationally, you carry an American passport, you know what it means to be in one nation but belong to another one. We live this life. Paul would say in another text, as aliens and passers-by, but our citizenship is in the heavens. And from our citizenship, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Aren't you thankful we get a new body, everybody? I'm gonna look like Arnold in his 20s. (laughs) He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, whom I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus, look at it again, in the Lord. I want you to understand we may live on this earth, but we belong to a different kingdom. I want us all to live like citizens of heaven. We don't dwell in the values and behaviors of this world. We belong to God. Our eyes are on him. Colossians 2 says we set our gaze on the things of heaven, hidden in Christ. We're found in him. In him we live and move and have our being. We stand firm in the Lord. So let me just ask you again. Do you want the Lord to change you? We've got folks going to get in their dream teams. I appreciate that. Let me finish real quickly. Do you have, does God have permission to bring some changes in your life? Does God have authority to speak into every area of your life? Does God have the right to put your life under construction and hang this tag around your neck? Frankly, until you die, this is your life. Some of us need bigger signs than others, right? Anybody else like me need a big sign? Yeah. But here's the question. You know, when we start construction on our tiny town campus, the construction management team will come in and they'll put up barricades and signs and the people with authority have the right to put these signs up. Does God have the authority to put this sign on your life and say, you're a work in progress. I'm gonna deliver you from some things. I'm gonna help you find freedom and forgiveness. And you are gonna strain towards these things. Why? Because God says, I found you, you're mine. Now come to me. Strain your way to me. Does God have the right to hang this sign on your life? What would it look like for God to have access to your spiritual disciplines? What would it look like for God to have access to your work on post? What would it look like for God to help you forget the things or the people that are behind you, whether successes or sufferings, and help you strain towards him? What would it look like for the greatest influences of your life to be men and women who are worthy of imitation and following? They may not be known by anybody but Christ and you. See, I believe we're all a work in progress. As I said at the beginning, the God who never changes is always doing something new. I feel like I'm personally in a season where God is doing some new things in me and it's costing me some things that I enjoy, some relationships maybe that I've enjoyed, some habits that I've embraced and the Lord's going, no, 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 I'm doing a new thing and you might. And I wanna invite all of us to that place this week, this month for the rest of this year because we're citizens of another kingdom. We're found in him, we're hidden in him. We live and move and exist in him. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for transforming us as a work in progress. And Lord, you'll never finish working on us. On this side of heaven, God, there's so much for us to grow in and so many ways for us to improve and get better. God, I'm so thankful that you love us so much that you're never done with us. So Lord, we receive your management. We receive your leadership. We receive your deconstructing of us. 
we receive this sign on our lives that we're a work in progress. Lord, would you help us to walk in humility, to have a hunger for you. God, that we would not chase after the things this world and this culture has to offer, but we would live in Christ. We would pursue the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We would live as citizens of heaven, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can we open our hands to the Lord? And let me just lead us in a prayer of humility and confession. Say, God, I believe what I've heard today. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for my sin. He raised from the dead to give me new life. I receive it by faith, your salvation, your forgiveness, and your constant work on me. I receive it in Jesus' name. Say, Lord, have your way in me. Come on, say it for real. Lord, have your way in me. Every part of my life is on full display. Have your way in Jesus' name. God, I pray for your church. I pray for everyone here that as they've heard this word, that they would be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit to yield their whole lives to you and to be a work in progress. To God be the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.